This guy is a great big phony. If a body meets a body coming through the right. Okay. If a body kiss a body need a body cry. Okay, 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 okay. Hey, 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 welcome back to the OK Gatsby Season 2, colon, Catcher in the Why? Still funny, you still love it, that's why you're still listening. Welcome back. Uh, we're doing Chapter 9 and 10 today. Kev, how's this, been, how's this been for you? It's been great. I mean, sometimes the book is like, oh, what a subtle metaphor about the human condition within the heart of a teenager, and then these chapters are like, this is the horniest teenager I, in New York City. <laughs> I'm quite horny. There's no metaphor here. I'm quite horny. I'm I, a horny I mean, teen. that's part of the human condition, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's there's no getting around it. We're just going to be talking about a horny 16-year-old boy today. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, that's what we usually do. Tune out now. First minute, this is the warning. This is what we're going to be talking about in chapter nine because he as he says is quite horny this is, yeah. he's disgusted so it is a little weird that this is a high school i mean it's almost too on the nose a high school book of like look at how horny this kid is <laughs> yeah i know i mean i think it's like i think i mean the whole point of catching the right to me is i mean one level of it is like this is a devastatingly accurate portrait of adolescence it's like you know warts and all literally no i'm not sure he doesn't have warts but no. Pimples. Ackley. Ackley's got pimples. some gross pimples, and uh, I'm sure some of the audience can relate to that. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you pimple freaks you, <laughs> <laughs> listening yeah. to a book podcast Yo, when you should out, be at the big dance. Shout out to my <laughs> pimple freaks out there. Keep popping them. Keep listening. Uh, so, right. I think it's like, I mean, it's like this is just part of what it, the, the disgusting thing that you do, which is growing up in adolescence. And uh, that's what Holden is exploring on this trip to New York City, baby. Back home, but not back home. So close, but so far from his yeah, home. Yeah, is, is, he's from New York. That's an interesting uh, take on this yes. sort of... Yeah. He is a New York teenager very much. Where yeah. He's confidently sneaking into bars, calling up strange adult women. I know. I'll just get a hotel. Like, what is Yeah, this? I'll just get a, like, <laughs> a hotel. What are you yeah, talking about? If I about? was trying to run away from home, like my instinct would be like, I'll just go to a hotel on the other side of town. And <laughs> a hotel? Yeah, weren't they going to ask for ID or something? I don't know. It's, yeah, it's I, so I, odd. I didn't know how to book a hotel before I was six, when I was 16. Yeah, but this is great. This, this chapter opens with him getting off at Penn Station. Yes. So the first thing I did when I got off at Penn Station, I went into this phone booth. I felt like giving somebody a buzz. He's lonely. In other <laughs> words, he's lonely. As he's he says, very lonely. <laughs> two chapters ago, he's so lonesome he wants to die. die. <laughs> so he's uh, very lonely. He wants to give. He felt like giving someone a buzz. Got it. So he goes inside, and I couldn't think of anybody to call up, which is sort of kind of depression, too. Yes. He's like, I'm very lonely, but I don't know what to do about Oof. it. Yeah. Uh, and then here's a list, uh, it's like a subtle list of everyone he cares about. My brother DB was in Hollywood. That's not a great excuse. I guess if it's long-distance calls are more expensive. But it's, right. Uh, yeah, but it's earlier in Hollywood. Yeah, he could, just, he could probably call him. That's a good point. Yeah. But DB is number one. My kid's sister, Phoebe, goes to bed around 9 o'clock, so I couldn't call her up. It's a tile size, but sister's number two. Uh, but here again is another excuse. She wouldn't have cared if I'd woke her up, but the trouble was she would have been the one that answered the phone. She would not have been. She wouldn't have been. She yeah. wouldn't have Our been. parents would be the ones. Yeah. So that was out. Then I thought of giving Jane Gallagher's mother a buzz and find out when Jane's vacation started. 
but I didn't feel like it. Hmm. You hmm. didn't feel like it. <laughs> Whatever would make you not feel like buzzing up Jane there, Holden? Uh, besides, it was pretty late to call up. Then I thought of calling this girl I used to go around with quite frequently, Sally Hayes, because I knew her Christmas vacation had already started. Or had started already. She'd written me this long, phony letter inviting me over to help her trim the Christmas tree, Christmas Eve and all. But I was afraid her her mother would answer the phone. One, that's that's he is always... He's not a perfect teenager. <laughs> he is a jerk. <laughs> Where this woman wrote a very long letter to him being like, please come over. And it may be a little... I think he's oblivious. Yeah. That's how I read this. Is that like, like okay, he, he she'd written me this long, phony letter inviting me over to help her trim the Christmas tree, Christmas Eve and all. So come with my family. Participate in this Christmas tradition with my family. Please. It's Please. a long letter. It's not like Holden. The who writes a letter? Who writes a phony letter at all? I mean, like, yeah, why writing you a letter, it? dude, to invite you to this big event that, like, anytime someone wants to participate, want you to participate in a family tradition, you are important to them. This is an intimate. It'd be a very intimate. Yeah, this is like you know, this is like a you know, like a serious. It's like you know, if you're dating, if you're dating a girl and I, and and uh, she's like, oh, she wants me to go over and trim her Christmas tree with her parents. I'd be like, whoa, uh, it's getting hey, pretty serious there, Kev. Huh? Whoa, what are you? What's going on over there? Yeah. So <laughs> she asks him to do this, and he goes, ah, what she's a phony, phony. letter. <laughs> she's phony. So someone out reaching for intimacy to him seems fake to him, and so it's. Yeah, he literally can't accept love. I mean, like it's like, yeah, we know people like that, and uh, you know how phony people always ask you to come over on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what is this, like is she asking like twelve people to do this? No, this is a, this is a genuine, genuine yeah. gesture. And so here's a list of everyone he loves, and then right next to each name, it's a reason why he can't he reach can't. out to them. From his fear of intimacy, from uh, un- uncomfortable with his needs f- for communication right now, uh, and just his distrust of. That things will work out, even if he does call. Yeah. So he's afraid if he calls uh, the Hayes household, the mother will answer. And the mother once told Sally that he was wild. He had no direction in life. Which is a fair assessment for I think. Mother. I mean, I think I think she has not. Yeah, Holden is pretty wild, and uh, he seems to have no direction. He's an adolescent. He's got a lot. He's got kicked out of a lot of schools. Yeah. Uh, just got kicked out of another one. Yeah. And. Has a radical emotional emotional outbursts where, through a, a moral system he hasn't quite come to terms with, he decides what is and isn't funny. Yeah, he can't stop dancing. He always like dances randomly and like you know does the imitations of movies and stuff like that. Yeah, he's a spaz. Yeah, he's for sure a spaz. Um, then I ca- thought of calling <laughs> up this guy that went to the Wooten School when I was there, Carl Loose, Carl Loose, but I didn't like him much, so I ended up not calling anybody. <laughs> <laughs> About 20 minutes. He was in the booth debating this for 20 minutes. I came out of the booth after about 20 minutes or so and got my bags and walked over to the tunnel where the cabs are, and I got a cab. So we, what we read uh, of as the account of what had happened is is nothing like what he was thinking. No. What happened is that a teenager had a panic attack in a phone booth. Exactly. And what we exactly. And the description of it is what? You know? Uh, I thought about calling some people, but I decided not to. Yeah, it's 20 like 20 minutes. No, he probably cried in this phone booth like 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, you really made some tough decisions about who's important to you, what people think about you, right? He's his you know yeah. like the perception of himself as a yeah. wild as having no direction his parents he can't talk to his parents because they they're gonna know he's out of pensy he's completely alone and having to come to terms with it so right so the phone booth scene 
in the in the say it with me subtextual narrative <laughs> is Holden realizing that he is like very lonely in this world, very alone in this world. So what we what we see is like oh some phone call stuff that would be you know a little bit difficult to do whatever. Uh, what we what's actually happening is Holden is breaking down about how incredibly lonely he is at this time in his life. Where everyone he needs to like make him feel less alone, he he can't reach out to. He has nobody. Yes. Oof. So he gets a cab. And then here's <laughs> some pop psychology. I'm so damn absent-minded. I gave the driver my regular address. Just, Just out, out of habit, habit and all. all. Yeah, so as we've discussed, whenever Holden is dismissing a thing that he does as habit or as like I don't know why, all of a sudden I felt like it. I was in the mood to do this. That's when we need to we need to be like, oh, let's pay attention to this because that means he's doing it for a very specific reason. And that this reason is he wants to go home so bad. He wants to go home. He realizes like halfway through, uh, he says, "Hey, do you mind turning around when you get a chance? I gave you the wrong address. I want to go back downtown." The driver was a sort of a wise guy. I can't turn around here, Mac. This here's a one-way. I'll have to go all the way to 90th Street now. You know how these wise guys are. <laughs> <laughs> Just giving basic instructions. Yeah, these these guys. They are real, real, real wise guys, you know. And to be fair, he's... I Now that I understand New York a little bit better, that is a far drive to go back downtown from 90th Street. <laughs> oh, true. He's on 90th Street. Okay. Yeah, so he's on the Upper there. East Side right now. And, well, I know. Yeah. And he wants to go back down to 14th Street. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, boy. But also... He gets paid for every month. I mean, yeah. the cabbie doesn't care, but like Holden uh, just thinks he's a wise guy because he's doing his job, basically. Yeah. Then he asks him about the, the ducks. ducks. You know those ducks in the lagoon right near Central Park South, that little lake? By any chance, do you happen to know where they go, the ducks, when it gets all frozen over? Do you happen to know by any chance? I realize there's only one chance in a million <laughs> that he'd find the one cabbie who's an expert on, on ducks. ducks. <laughs> He just throws it out there, where, and and it's right after him saying like, "Take me home." Oh, don't take me home. So it's like clearly, it's like, oh, my home froze over. Where do I go now, Mister Cabby? And I love your yeah. This is Kevin's take on the on the duck thing, which I totally subscribe to. Is that why he's wondering about these ducks? Is the is these ducks have suddenly lost their home? It's frozen over. Where do they go now? Right, Holden has lost his home. He's literally right now. He's without a home. He doesn't. Yeah. He has nowhere to turn to. Where does he go now? I mean, so also in his life, he realizes he will soon have nowhere to go to. Where is he gonna go next? Mm. Yep. And then the cab driver is not a fan. He's like, "What are you trying to do, bud? Kid me?" And then it holds like, "No, I was just interested." It That's does. All. <laughs> it does kind of sound like the setup to an old timey joke where it's like, "Do you know where the ducks go in the winter? Uh, when, the, when the park freezes over?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, your wife's house, bud. <laughs> 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 That's good. I was gonna say up your butt, but I think <laughs> wife's house is pretty. <laughs> it's pretty good. They go up your butt and to your wife. To your wife. Uh, uh, and then he proceeds to ask the cabbie to uh, have this a is, cocktail. This is, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is like this is very funny of a sixteen-year-old pretending to be an adult. Where he goes, well, the thing is, I don't want to stay at any hotels on the east side where I might run into some acquaintances of mine. I'm traveling incognito. <laughs> I said, I hate saying corny things like traveling incognito, but I'm with, when I'm with somebody that's corny, I always act corny, too. Do you happen to know whose band's at the Taft or the New Yorker by any chance? Huh. And the cab driver is like, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't know where the He says, no playing. idea, Mac. No idea, Mac. Okay, wait, so right here we're also seeing, again, 
um, Holden's selective use of self phoniness. Yes. He's saying like, here I am being phone. I am being corny because he is also corny. So I need to put on a corny this mask. Yes. Yeah, so to dance with the, this conversation. Pay attention to when when Holden is performing a sort of personality or being phony himself, um, because that's going to be important. Yeah, and then he goes, well, take me to the Edmund then. Would you care to stop on the way and join me for a cocktail? On me, I'm loaded. <laughs> so traditionally, New York people will take their cab driver out for a cocktail and Holden knows this. Yes, this is a New York tradition. Yeah. yeah. Someone gives you a ride, you go, I owe you a drink. You pay them their full fare and a tip, and you also buy them an alcoholic beverage. That's how that goes. Uh, yes. So he's so low. The point is, though, that he's so lonely, he's asking a G-darn cabbie. Out for a cocktail. A corny one, nonetheless. Yeah, one he doesn't like. He's a wise guy and a corny one. He doesn't like him. He hasn't for a Gabby. I once heard, I, I knew a guy who was going to a Chris Rock show and he at Madison Square Garden, and, he, and uh, his Uber driver was like, really? And he's like, yeah, actually, I have an extra ticket if you want to go. And he went to the, the show with his Uber driver. But that's about as close. That's about as, that's, that's come on, that's a very special circumstance. Yeah. Uh, but it's not usually what's something that happens, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, think not of any Uber driver. Would you ever be like, come hang out, Uber driver? Come you'd hang be like, out. You're like, I hope he doesn't talk to me at all. I hope he doesn't talk to me at all. <laughs> and that's the gig economy. You know, it's so like this guy is like a, a licensed bonded uh, cabbie. You know? Yeah. Can't do it, Max. Sorry. And then here comes this. Fi- uh, so we got to the Inman Hotel and I checked in. I'd put on my red hunting cap when I was in the cab just for the hell of it. Bingo. So this is a double red flag, red ca- red, uh, red cap, which we're already tracking. Yes. For the hell of it, which we are also tracking. So he just made another gesture of intimacy to be like, please spend some time with me. Got turned down, so he's going to put on the thing that's been making him feel slightly comfortable. Yep. His red hunting cap. Uh, but I took it off before I checked in. I didn't want lo- to look like a screwball or something. <laughs> and this is like, this this chapter is like. Very funny, as far as how honest he is about some of the strangest circumstances. <laughs> yeah, this is really funny. Uh, which is really ironic. I didn't know then that, that the goddamn hotel was full of perverts and morons. Screwballs all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> so if he had known, he would have kept his, his, uh, his, his hat, hat on. on. He's like, yeah, his not... hat represents what? His individuality. But, and feeling comfortable being himself. His comfortability with himself. His ability to take care of himself. Yeah, it's like a, it's a it's it's his self expression. A gesture of self love that he puts it on when self-love he Self love I like a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His ears are cold usually and he has ear flaps. He says crummy a hundred times in the next couple paragraphs. <laughs> which I, I guess that was big slang or just an important <laughs> word back then. But he goes, They gave me this very crummy room with nothing to look out of the window at except the other side of the hotel. I didn't care too much. I was too depressed to care whether I had a good view or not. The bellboy that showed me to the room was this very old guy, around 65. He was even more depressing than the room was. <laughs> He's one of those bald guys that comb over all their all their hair over from the side to cover up the baldness. I'd rather be bald than do that. Anyway, what a gorgeous job for a guy around 65 years old, carrying people's suitcases and w- wiggling around for a tip. I suppose he wasn't too intelligent or anything, but it was a, it was terrible anyway. <laughs> Man, yeah. So he has like a lot of disdain for this guy, but also sympathy, right? Yes, I think it's there's a class thing too, where it's like this Definitely. guy has a terrible job. He's probably dumb as hell, but yeah. it still is a bad job. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. Um, what a ter- what a. And terrible then there's job. also like the comb over. He's like just a small thing. It's like just be bald. It's yeah. A, his like small gesture to vanity. Phony. Be yeah. 
But it's also like he puts on a hat every time he ne- feels weird about himself. True. <laughs> True. True. Uh, yeah, but he ca- he seems to kind of feel for this guy. I mean, but uh, it's kind of a gesture. It seems like it's it's describing sort of his mood at the time. Yeah, where, like, where everything like is sad. Tip. Everything is a tragedy, and everything oh. depresses them. Right. Because I looked out the window for a while with my coat on and all. I didn't have anything else to do. You'd be surprised what was going on the other side of the hotel. They didn't even bother to pull their shades down. I saw one guy, a gray-haired, very distinguished-looking guy with only his shorts on, do something you wouldn't believe me if I told you. Okay, right there. So we're about to hear Holden describe a lot of sort of vaguely... They're, they're sexual things. Yes. Uh, but they're like... They're kinky things. They're like uh, sex-adjacent things, fetish things. Yes. Um what how do we how we how are we to read this i mean it's like i mean it's he's he's a, he has he's having a sexual awakening that's straight up but like how are we to read this what do you think i i think it serves a lot of purposes one is to paint the portrait that he is in the wrong hotel for a 16 year old this yeah. is clearly clearly like bottoms end hotel too much too soon yeah. yeah this is where you go when you're like i'm gonna be my freaky self or i've run out of money yeah it's an hourly uh, hotel kind of place, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So there's a little bit of that. Um, I also think it's him, sta- like, literally he's a voyeur right now into uh, circumstances that don't make sense to him. Yeah, but, he does But it's a metaphor for all of sex, because sex doesn't make, he keeps saying sex doesn't, under. I don't understand, and he's like, he's at square one. Yeah. And he, he's looking at people at square 100. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're like at the highest level. Yeah, um, I I like that as a metaphor for um, like the way that we don't under, that we might not understand as like as like you know not super kinky dudes. We might not understand how somebody would kind of get off on squirting water in someone's mouth. Um, Holden doesn't understand sex at all. I mean, yeah. like it, it's all foreign to him. So the way that the way in which these fetishes are foreign to the layman. Sex itself is foreign to Holden. I kind of like yeah. that's a good read. Okay, and then I also think just very simply, Salinger's trying to be a little funny. Like, right? Uh, it's funny to see Holden experience these things. Like, so the first thing he sees is you wouldn't believe if I told you he took out all these women's clothes and put them on real women's clothes, silk stockings, high heeled shoes, brazier, and one of those corsets with the straps hanging down and all. Then he put on this very tight black evening dress. I swear to God. Then he started walking up and down the room, taking these very small steps the way a woman does, and smoking a cigarette and looking at himself in the mirror. He was all alone, too. Unless somebody was in the bathroom. I couldn't see that much. Then in the window, almost right to the right of his, I saw a man and a woman squirting water out of their mouths at each other. It probably was highballs, not water, but I couldn't see what they had in their glasses. Anyway, first he took a swallow and squirted it all over her. Then she'd do it to him. They took turns, for God's sake. Yeah, so he is baffled by this. Yeah, so that co- that might not even be sexual, right? I don't even. know. I mean, they're flirting. They're they're, they're right. about to get it on. They're probably <laughs> wasted and they're having a on. great time, right? But I also think it's a perspective thing that we're being forced to see. Of like, one is a man lonelier than Holden, where it's like, yes, feel yeah. bad for this, but there's men that unknow who they are. And aren't able to express it. Yeah. Where Holden is like, I feel weird about my hunting hat. And then it's like, there's people who feel weird about a deep need that this they... This guy's hunting hat is a dress, a bra, heels. Cigarettes, <laughs> walking around a hotel room. 
So I think in one way we're supposed to go like, look, this is still a normal teenager. Like, there there's extremes that anyone can lead to. Yeah, yeah. But right now, this is a lonely teenager. Yeah. It's not, he's not special in any capacity. Uh, he His rage and, and isolation can be felt by everyone. But then we see the couple, so that we're 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 naturally going to contrast the couple and the the man in the dress. We're going to yes. naturally contrast the two. So right, we have we have the man who's lonely in his fetish weirdness, and we have the couple who is together in in still it's weird, but they're together and doing they're it. They're having together. a blast too. He keeps saying they're in hysterics. They can't stop laughing. Yeah, they're in hysterics the whole time, but like it was the funniest thing that ever happened. I'm not kidding. The hotel was lousy with perverts. <laughs> I was probably the only normal bastard in the whole place. Um, and this is a great joke. And he goes, and that isn't saying much. I damn near sent a telegram to old Stradlander telling him to take the first train in New York. He'd have been king of the hotel. <laughs> yeah. Still has to get a shot in at Stradlander after all this. Yeah. Um, but I think what's, it's also pointing out to like, just a, it's kind of ch- a cheesy read, but like here's a couple that found that they liked the same weird thing. Yeah, and now they are free to be themselves in the, an, another person's company. Yes, where the other man is like maybe there's someone in the bathroom, but he's probably very alone. He's alone, yeah. And so him, he he's seen as like a sad figure, and they're like, oh, these are weird, but look, they're so happy. <laughs> yeah, they're happy. He's probably pretty sad. Yes. Yeah. So this is like, yeah, this is all contextualized into, into Holden's sexual awakening. Yeah. And then it's also like a teenager seeing this. So he's being like, what is going on? <laughs> right, right, right. He's very surprised. This is very like n- seedy New York. Um, so And then now ahead, he's yeah. going to talk about just being his own sexuality. But it's a pretty common teenage sexuality. He notices that the girl who's getting water all over her face, she was pretty good looking. I mean, and that's my big trouble. In my mind, I'm probably the biggest sex maniac you ever saw. Which is a very teenage boy thing to say. Yes. You're like, <laughs> I, I might I'm, be the biggest freak in New York. <laughs> I'm so horny. I'm probably the horniest person in the world. <laughs> so, like, he, that's, that is so funny. Cause I, think, I think that's a feeling that we probably, I mean, like, oh, like, exactly. It's like, I have to, why am I like this? I don't think anybody else has it as bad as I do, which is like, no, it's not true. Everyone has it that bad. Um, I wouldn't mind doing it if the opportunity came up. So he he wouldn't mind. Uh, so sometimes I can think of very crummy stuff. Yeah. So he, there's crummy again. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't mind doing it if the opportunity came up. So he wants to have sex, but he, the opportunity hasn't come up. Yes. He hasn't been invited and to also, trim he, the Christmas tree. He sees the appeal of the squirting water couple, but not the appeal of the, the man in the dress com- com- guy. Uh I can even see how it might be a lot of fun in a crummy way, and if you were both sort of drunk and all, to get a girl and squirt water or something all over each other's face. The thing is, though, I don't like the idea. It stinks if you analyze it. Another classic teenage boy mistake, to analyze deeply (laughs) your sexuality. (laughs) Uh, I think if you don't really like a girl, you shouldn't horse around with her at all. And if you do like her, then you're supposed to like her face. And if you like her face, you have to be careful about doing crummy stuff to it. So he hasn't... Read a lot of sex positive feminine blogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like squirting water all over it. It's really too bad that so much crummy stuff is a lot of fun sometimes. Ooh, boy. Boy, ain't, ain't it ain't the truth, Holden. Oh, ain't it the truth. So yeah. that's coming to Letting terms your freak with, flag fly feels good. Yeah, so he's coming to terms with like that sex is complicated. You know what I mean? That like that it's complex. It's, you know it's what I mean? not clean and organized yeah. and fits into a normal part of your personality. No. Uh, and he continues to be very honest in a way that 
it's very funny, but sometimes I'm laughing at him and not with him. Yep. <laughs> Girls aren't too much help either when you start trying not to get too crummy. When you start trying not to spoil anything really good. I knew this one girl a couple years ago that was even crummier than I was. Boy, was she crummy. So he, he said it like... Boy, was she crummy. <laughs> exclamation point where he's like, man, that girl was a was a mess. We had a lot of fun, though, for a while in a crummy way. Yes, this is so vague, and crummy is being used like the word Smurf is in the Smurf language. Just yeah, like it's a very immature way to say, like, I don't want to talk in details about he this. He really can't express himself here. Sex is something I really don't understand is too hot. You never know where the hell you are. I keep making up these sex rules for myself, and then I break them right away. Which is interesting. I think... Vague, too. There's also... I think rules is something we should probably also track, too. Because he was also interested in joining Catholicism. Which, uh, okay. And that's a loose connection right now, but if... No, another, he was interested in, in being a monk. Do you have to be a Catholic to be a monk? That's true. So he wanted to be a monk, which I think monks are... Monk, monk, monks alone, that's rule-based, for sure. Yeah, monk alone is rule-based. Okay. And it's... He's looking for restriction uh, that he can make it that he can follow, and he can't. Every time he tries to even re- restrict himself, he cannot follow those rules. Right. Um, but it's also a really uh, young boy sexuality thing where it's like, all right. I mean, I, I did this. I remember I was like, I am not having sex until I'm married. And then it's like, I'm not having sex until I love the person. Yeah. And then I came out, I was like, look, if anyone wants to. <laughs> <laughs> right. The rules you establish, right. Um, last year, I made a rule that I was going to quit horsing around with girls that, deep down, gave me a pain in the ass. <laughs> I broke it, though. The same week, I made it. The same night, as a matter of fact, I spent the whole night necking with a terrible phony named Annie Louise Sherman. Sex is something I just don't understand. I swear to God, I don't. He says her whole name, which is like not Annie necessary. Annie Louise Sherman. Sure. It's very so, funny. That that is the middle name, too. He's like, Anne Louise yeah. Sherman. Yeah. What but a pain in the ass that I made out with. <laughs> she's a pain in the ass. He broke it the same week. Yeah. So he is, I mean, he's he's overwhelmed with it, with his sexual desire. He cannot make it fit to any rules so he can feel in control of it. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't understand. I mean, he he doesn't understand this. Like, he, clearly he's going to go through an awakening right now in front of our eyes. Um, he wants to call Jane again. He wants to call her he at thinks about school. sex for a long time. And then he's like, I want to call Jane for some reason. I feel reason. like calling Jane. I started with toying, toying with the idea while I kept standing there of giving old Jane a buzz. I mean, calling her long distance at BM, where she went, instead of calling up her mother to find out when she was coming home. You weren't supposed to call students up late at night, but I had it all figured out. I was going to tell whoever answered the phone that I was her uncle. I was going to say her aunt had just got killed in a car accident and had to speak to her immediately. It would have worked, too. The only reason I didn't do it, because I wasn't in the mood. If you're not in the mood, you can't do that stuff right. Bing, bing, bing. Oh, my red light is turning on because Holden doesn't know why he wants to do, why he doesn't want to do this thing. So, yeah, again, like the phone booth thing, he's standing there for a while making a very elaborate plan. Yeah. He's like, all I got to do, I got to call them. I got to say, I'm her uncle. Her aunt died in a car accident. Bing, bang, boom. She's on the phone. I talked to her. She's psyched because instead of her aunt being dead, some guy wants to talk to her. <laughs> some guy from two summers ago yeah. wants to talk to her. In the middle of the night. Um, so, yeah, bad plan uh, that he does not want to do because he's not in the mood. He need to be yeah, in the mood. not in the mood, but also directly next to a, a, an analysis of his own sexuality. Yeah, jeez. And then 
another time where he just wants any sort of company. And it's like, oh, I have I made a big plan to get it and I'm going to chicken out again. And then <laughs> it gets, it, this whole chapter is so weird. He goes, after a while, I sat down in a chair and smoked a couple of cigarettes. I was feeling pretty horny. I have to admit it. So that's right in the surface. Just he's, right, no, he's no subtext. No subtext. <laughs> I was feeling pretty horny. I have to admit it. Then all of a sudden, I got this idea. I took out my wallet and started looking for this address, a guy I met at a party last summer that went to Princeton gave me. So he has an address he got from a guy he met at a party. Finally, I found it. It was all a funny color from my wallet, but you could still read it. It was the address of this girl that wasn't exactly a whore or anything, but they didn't <laughs> mind doing it once in a while. This Princeton guy told me. He brought her to a dance at Princeton once, and they nearly kicked him out for bringing her. She used to be a burlesque stripper or something. Anyway, I went over the phone and gave her a buzz. Her, buzz. her name was Faith Cavendish, and she lived at Cavendish. The, Cavendish? I think Cavendish. I mean, Cavendish sounds so, like, fancy and, like, uh, also like, kind of, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say foreign, but, like, like, it's a different language. Cavendish is, like, a name. Cavendish. Already. Okay. And she lived at the Stanford Arms Hotel on 65th and Broadway. A dump, no doubt. No doubt. So he looks down on her. It's kind of interesting. He looks down on her like he did with the bellboy and stuff yeah. like that. It's like a lower class person. Yeah, definitely. He's like, oh, she probably lives in a dump. Yeah. And it's just, he's stayed in a seedy hotel staring at people acting out their fetishes. Yeah. Gets on. really horny, wants to talk to Jane. Come and on, then buddy. he's like, let me call this woman I don't know, but I've heard. Yeah, come on, dude. Like, yeah. No, he is definitely an upper class teen. So he calls her up. Is this Miss Faith? Is this Miss Faith Cavendish? Yes. Who's this? Who's calling me up at this sort of hour? This goddamn hour, crazy goddamn hour. Well, I know it's quite late. I hope you'll forgive me, but I was anxious to get in touch with you. I said it suave as hell. I really did. <laughs> that he's putting on a voice. It's very funny. So he he said he drops Eddie Bristle's name. He suggested that if I were in town sometime, we ought to get together for a cocktail or two. Who? Your friend of who? She's a real tigress over the phone. She's a damn near yelling at me. Edmund Birdsell. Eddie Birdsell. I couldn't remember his, if his name was Edmund or Edward if I only met him once at a goddamn stupid party. I don't know anybody by that name, Jack. And if you think I'll enjoy being woke up in the middle of the Eddie Birdsell from Princeton. Birdsell. Birdsell from Princeton. So you went, you're from Princeton College? So then she all of a sudden remembers Eddie? How do you, how do you read this, Kev? Uh, I think it's just a simple connections thing. How is Eddie? This is certainly a time to call a person up though jesus christ so she does turn she does kind of remember eddie i guess yeah she did go to this dance she went to a princeton dance gotcha. he's probably the only guy that invited her to a dance especially one at princeton and everyone like <coughs> still like if i was invited to something at an ivy league school i'd be like look at me at an ivy league school right exactly yeah of course so right she does remember eddie and she kind of changes her tune once she remembers him exactly she says grand a bunch, which in the earlier chapters is mentioned as like a big buzzword for Holden. It's like one of the fakest words, the phoniest oh, words. Oh, yeah. He goes, well, thank you. Remember me to him, she said. He's a grand person. What's he doing now? She was getting friendly as hell all of a sudden. Oh, you know, the same old stuff, I said. How the hell did I know what he was doing? I hardly knew the guy. <laughs> yeah, the guy who, yeah, he uses his name. Yeah, I didn't even know if he was still at Princeton. Look, I said, would you be interested in meeting me for a cocktail somewhere? By any chance, do you have any idea what time it is, she said. What's your name anyhow, may I ask? She was getting an English accent all of a sudden. That's that's also very funny. Now yeah, she's, right. she's putting on all these airs now. <laughs> that it's like this Princeton boy, she thinks. You sound a little on the young side. I laughed. Thank you for the compliment. 
such a classic <laughs> like <laughs> two boys standing in a trench coat move. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the compliment. Thank Holden Caulfield's my name. I didn't I should have given her a phony name, but I didn't think of it. Well look, Mr. Coffle, love that. Yeah. I'm not in the habit of making engagements in the middle of the night. I'm a working gal. Tomorrow's Sunday, I told her. Well anyway, I gotta get my beauty sleep. You know how it is. I thought we might just have one cocktail together. It isn't too late. Well, you're very sweet. Where are you calling from? Where are you at now, anyways? Me? I'm in a phone booth. So here comes the lie? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she said. Then there was this very long pause. Well, I'd like awfully to get together with you sometime, Mr. Copple. You sound very attractive. You sound like a very attractive person. But it is late. I could come up to your place. So he's he's won this little dance. <laughs> yeah, he seems like he wants to go, yeah. Well, ordinary, I'd say Grant. Again, there's Grant. I mean, if I'd, I'd love to have you drop up for a cocktail, but my roommate happens to be ill. She's been laying here all night without a wink of sleep. She just this minute closed her eyes and all, I mean. Oh, that's too bad. Where are you stopping at? Perhaps we could get together for cocktails tomorrow. And then he says this. I can't make it tomorrow. Tonight's the only time I can make it. What a dope I was. I shouldn't have said that. I think it's like, oh, now I have to logically make plans to do this impulsive thing? Yes. Yes, that's then, the thing. Then I'll he have is available. To, he's available tomorrow, right? Yeah, he has until Wednesday. I think it's like Sunday or Monday. Yeah, it's Saturday. Cause, uh, Saturday. Saturday night. Yeah, it's Sunday tomorrow. So he has until Wednesday to get home. This is like his little weird vacation. He could do it tomorrow, but he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to consciously go through with it like with intentionality. He I'd wants have to, to think it. about it all day. And yeah. You know he'd be sweating it out because, you know, like this would be his first time and this would be a cut. Probably he's not crazy about the morality of it, or he would give himself a lot of a thousand excuses. And also, it's another person saying, "Yeah, actually, let's do this." And then he's like, "No, nah, let's not do this anymore." Yeah, it's impulsive. He wants to be impulsive about it. Yeah. Oh well, I'm awfully sorry. I'll say hello to Eddie for you. He he doesn't. He's just like he starts lying like crazy all the time. <laughs> Will you do that? I hope you enjoy your stay in New York. It's a grand place. Grand three times. I know it is. Thanks. Good night. I said. Then I hung up. Boy, I really fouled that up. I should have at least made it for cocktails or something. <laughs> and that's the end of the chapter. Yeah, that's nine. So he tries to have sex, right? He tries yeah, to get He tries a, to have sex. He watches people do sex stuff and then he's like, I should try this. He thought about Jane and then he tries to have sex and he Maybe that's it. why maybe he realized he was thinking about sex when he was gonna call Jane and he's like, I can't call her about that. Yeah. I I'm still treating her as some innocent person. Yeah, and so he goes for the not innocent person. A lady of the night. Yes. That's what Faith Cavendish is, right? Let's not be around the yeah, bush. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Like, he has to paint it that she's not, but it, that's what she is. She People would freak out at Princeton because she was there, just because yeah. she was there. I mean, obviously, she's, yeah. Uh, at least an escort. If yes. Not, yeah. Whatever that is, yes. Um. <clears throat> so, now it, it's still, now we go to probably one of my favorite scenes of the book is him going to this bar. Yeah. And talking to these three women, yeah, uh, I think it's probably the funniest part because it's when he's the most cruel, <laughs> but like, un, like unintentionally hilarious. Yeah. And then there's like some real moments of actual vulnerability mixed in. It's such a fun little mix. Yeah, and the, yeah, and the girls are yeah, the girls are from out of town too. They're both kind of unsure about themselves. Like he's more confident than they are sometimes. It's very yeah. The 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 back and forth is really nice. He goes to the lavender room. Yes. He wants to call Phoebe again before he goes down there. I certainly felt like talking to her on the phone. Somebody with sense and all, but I couldn't take a chance on giving her a buzz because she was only a little kid and she wouldn't have been up, let alone anywhere near the phone. I thought I'd maybe hanging up when my parents answered, but that wouldn't have worked either. They know it was me. My mother always knows it's me. She's psychic. 
but I certainly wouldn't mind shooting the crap with old Phoebe for a while. So again, here's someone I want to reach out for actual, like emotional support. Uh, but I have another excuse. Now my mother is psychic. She would know it was me if my new plan to hang up right away planned out. Right. But then also here's another like huge tangent about something clearly very important to him, his sister. So it starts, you should see her. You never saw a little kid so pretty and smart in your whole life. She's really smart. I mean, she's had all all A's ever since she started school. As a matter of fact, I'm the only dumb one in the family. My brother DB's a writer and all. My brother Allie, and this is such a weird thing to put in there. The one that died that I told you about was a wizard. That he's like, hey, remember him from earlier? Yeah. That long part? Yes, we remember. It's huge to you. It's very important to you, Holden. Yes, of course we remember. I wouldn't like the readers going to be like, Allie, Allie, which one is Allie? Allie, oh. refresh my memory. Yeah. Oh, the, probably the lingering presence throughout the whole book? Yeah. Was a wizard. I'm the only really dumb one, but you ought to see old Phoebe. And here, here's what Holden does. I mean, and then the Salinger does too, is that he's great at little details that paint a portrait of a human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a sort of red hair, a little bit like Allie's was, that's very short in the summertime. In the summertime, she sticks it behind her ears. She has nice, pretty little ears. In the summertime, it's pretty long, though. Sometimes my brother, mother braids it, and sometimes she doesn't. It's really nice, though. She's only 10. She's quite skinny like me, but nice skinny. Roller skate skinny. I watched her once from the window when she was crossing over Fifth Avenue to go to the park, and that's what she is. Roller skate skinny. Hmm. So that's like a fun description that he, he came I don't know get that, what that means, though. Roller skate skinny. Like I think probably a, like those, like, you know how like the 50s had those diners where like people would roller skate out with. Yeah, I think it's like he. You look like you roller skate a lot, and you yeah. belong on roller skates. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you'd like her. I mean, if you tell old Phoebe something, she knows exactly what the hell you're talking about. And so there it is. He doesn't have to explain himself too much to her. Like, she knows what he means. And there's so few people who know what he means. I mean, you can even take her anywhere with you. If you take her to a lousy movie, for instance, she knows it's a lousy movie. There's movies again. If you take her to a pretty good movie, she knows it's a pretty good movie. Another movie mentioned. DB and I took her to see this French movie, <laughs> The Baker's Wife, with Ramu in it. It killed her. Her favorite is thir- 39 Steps. Though with Robert Donat. She knows the whole goddamn movie by heart because I've taken her to see it about ten times. When old Donat comes up with the Scottish Scotch farmhouse, for instance, when he's running away from the cops and all, people will say right out loud in the movie, right when the Scotch guy in the picture says it, can you eat the herring? She knows all the talk by heart. And when this professor in the picture that's really a German spy sticks up his little finger with part of the middle joint missing, the show Robert Donat, old Phoebe beats him to it. She holds up her little finger at me in the dark, right in front of my face. She's all right. You like her. The only trouble is she's a little too affectionate sometimes. He loves Phoebe. Yes. The amount of attention that he has with his sister. Like, she does this thing every time when we go to this this specific movie. Like, he has, like, every tick and quirk about her memorized in his head. And, like, right now he's he's been in this hospital in California, very far away from his sister. And he still can write this much detail about her. Yeah, he knows all about her. And he likes the stuff about her, and, and she's unlike all these phonies who he sees all the time for these reasons. Yeah, she's he, she's she's great. And then here's just a a big old metaphor of something else she does. She writes books all the time, only she doesn't finish them. They're all about some kid named Hazel Weatherfield. Only old Phoebe spells it Hazel, H A Z L E. Old Hazel Weatherfield is a girl detective. She's supposed to be an orphan, but her old man keeps showing up. Her old man's always a tall, attractive gentleman about twenty years of age. That kills me. So, that kills me. Yeah, that kills me. It's like that makes me laugh. Is all I really like that. But clearly, Phoebe is making herself the protagonist of her books. 
Right. And she sees herself as an orphan, except sometimes her father shows up, but her father's 20, which means that she sees DB as a real father. Wow. Of course. Wow. So her actual parents don't really play that big of a role in her life. Uh, and her brother obviously is gone, but when he is around, she sees her. She sees him as a far more important. Right. They're going to the movies together. The, uh, the, all that. All that is brought up in such a short amount of time. How all that is described. It's crazy. Yes. I swear to God, you'd like her. He's always very important, like stressed out. Like we have to like these people. Yeah, you'd like her. You'd like. He's her. like, look, I I rip on a lot of things, but this is good. This is you, this is the good stuff right here. Yeah. When she was a very tiny little kid, I and Allie used to take her to the park with us, especially on Sundays. Allie had this sailboat he used to like to fool around with on Sundays, and we used to take old Phoebe with us. She'd wear white gloves and walk right behind between us like a lady and all. And when Allie and I were having some conversation about things in general, old Phoebe would be listening. Sometimes you'd forget she was around because she was such a little kid, but she'd let you know. She'd run up to you all the time. She'd give Allie or I a push or something and say, Who? Who said that? Bobby or the lady? And we'd tell her who said it, and she'd say, oh, and go right on listening. Because she knows, yeah, she's, she understands where they're coming from. She she uh, is intuitive. There's the things that Holden respects about her. She's a very good listener. Yeah. And no one needs a better listener than Holden than Caulfield. Than Holden goddamn Caulfield. And all this is another classic aside in The Catch on the Rye. All this happens while he's thinking about going downstairs and changing his shirt. So yes. he gets right back to, anyway, she was somebody you always felt like talking to on the phone. <laughs> So but I was too afraid my parents would answer, and then they find out I was in New York and kicked out of Pennsylvania Mall. So I How just, much of these two chapters are just uh, holding and thinking about calling somebody? Yeah. You know? All it is is him thinking about making a Maybe gesture I should of call someone. Yeah. Of, of love, but like holding back. Yeah, and that's yeah. like the core of this, the rest of this book is a man like trying and failing to feel less alone. Yeah, dude. A boy, a 16 year old boy. This poor kid. Who, who, through his own internal problems and through sort of the external realities, like just can't seem to connect in the way he wants to. It's about connection. Yeah, you can't get it. He's a duck with no pond. Yeah, a duck <laughs> with no pond. He's trying to figure out where does he go. Yeah, it's true. Um, so he went down. He goes out to the lavender room, right? Yes. This is where we're at. Yes. Now he's now he's in the lavender room and this everybody gets very cruel and pretty funny yeah i think well he's, he's probably very insecure and so he's really latching out except for a few pimply looking guys and a few hoary looking blondes the lobby was pretty empty but you could hear the band playing in the lavender room and i went in there it wasn't very crowded but they gave me a lousy table anyway way in the back i should have waved a buck under the head waiter's nose in new york boy money really talks i'm not kidding he sees the band. The band was putrid, which is such a harsh. Putrid. <laughs> yeah. Buddy Singer, very brassy, but not good brassy, corny brassy. Yeah. He tries to get a drink. The guy won't let him get a drink. Right? He wants to seize my defecation. Yeah. So, But this is they were mostly old, shoffy-looking guys with their dates, except at the table right next to me. At the table right next to me, there were these three girls around 30 or so. The whole three of them were pretty ugly. And they all had on the kind of hats that you know they didn't really live in New York. Huh? Huh? But and one of don't. them, <laughs> the blonde, yeah, but one of them, the blonde one, wasn't too bad. She was sort of cute, the blonde one, and I started giving her the old eye a little bit. But just then the waiter came up for my order, and this is just a classic, this is like a comedy bit of a teen trying to buy booze. <laughs> he goes, I ordered a scotch and soda and told him not to mix it. I said it fast as hell because if you hem and haw, they think you're under 21 and won't sell you any. Hemming and haw- hawing, by the way, is saying... Don't mix it. That's 
scotch and soda don't mix it. Oh, like, don't stir it up. I mean, no one says that. Yeah. <laughs> it gets mixed up all together. I'm a bartender. I know this thing, these things. He goes, I'm sorry, sir, but do you have some verification of your age, your driver's license, perhaps? I gave him this very cold stare, like it insulted the hell out of me, and asked him, Love do it. I look like I'm under 21? <laughs> I'm sorry, sir, but we have our... Okay, okay, I said. I figured the hell with it. Bring me a Coke. He started to go away, but I called him back. <laughs> can't you stick a little rum in it or something? <laughs> I asked him. I asked him very nicely and all. I can't sit in a corny place like this, cold, sober. Can't you stick a little rum in it or something? He's begging. <laughs> begging, begging his waiter to be like, please give me some booze. Yeah, he doesn't get it. I'm very sorry, sir. But then that's just like a funny moment of a yeah. t- like him running into the limits of his age. <laughs> something, something. He calls these girls, I started giving the three witches at the next <laughs> table the eye again. That is the blonde one. The other two were strictly from hunger. Hunger. Damn. Hunger. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, if you're if you're referring to your, your sexuality as hunger, it's like, you know, you are completely. You're gone. <laughs> your brain gone. is, like, gone now. Yeah, if you're hungry and you don't eat, you'll die. I mean, like, yeah, he said, yeah, it's, it's, it's more extreme now than horniness. It's hunger. I didn't do it crudely, though. I just gave all three of them this very cool glance and all. What they did, though, the three of them, when I did it, they started giggling like morons. <laughs> Which is very funny that this, like, teenage boy... Like, can you imagine being these, like, three 30-year-old women and this 16-year-old boy starts, like, giving you this suave eye? Oh, <laughs> like, is this teenage boy trying to flirt with us? <laughs> but again, I mean, it fe- to me, it feels exactly like like adolescence is like that first time that you start thinking of yourself as smarter than adults. Yes. Um, even though you're not in a lot of ways. Like, for example, like they are on a vacation to New York. He They traveled to New York. He just lived, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, like, you know. He's got immature attitudes. Exactly. Yeah. But, but he is a smart kid. He's able to look down on them a little bit. Yeah, of course. They, uh, but also, it's, he doesn't respond to being laughed at well, and it, but it almost encourages him to yeah. go after these women. He goes, uh, they probably thought I was too young to give anybody the once-over. That annoyed the hell out of me. You'd have thought I wanted to marry them or something. Yeah. <laughs> and no one wants to think that. <laughs> I should have given them the freeze after they did that, but the trouble was I really felt like dancing. Oh, that, that's what happened. That's the trouble. Yeah, I just really wanted to dance now. Again, oh, yep, ding, 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 ding. He feels like doing something. I mean, this one's pretty shallow. I he shouldn't be to. doing this thing, yeah. but I felt like I that. felt like for this reason that I had to. So as we can, as we know from our from our thing, this means what? He wants sex. He wants sex, and he also feels like he has to prove these women that they shouldn't be laughing. Yeah, at. this one's pretty easy. Um, but it was worth it. The blonde was some dancer. So, yeah, he, he got her to dance, right? He yeah. asked her to dance. He gets her to dance. Very fun. I did something. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there it is again. I sort of leaned over. You, you sort of leaned over. You yeah. went over to them. He did it. And he said, her to dance. would any of you girls care to dance? Yeah. So he's not doing that bad. You know what I mean? No. He says very suave. In fact, I mean, it is his perspective. But, but, but God damn it, they thought that was a panic, too. They started giggling some more. Right. I'm not kidding. They were three real morons. <laughs> <laughs> They're idiots. He's yeah. so quick to go up a bunch of morons. <laughs> disdain. Yeah, he's got a lot of, this, a lot of disdain in this chapter yes. for people. Contempt. That's his favorite. Which, it's, when you feel alone, yeah. you tend to do that. You're like, I shouldn't be alone. I'm better than all I'm these people. Than, that's crazy how good I am. Yeah. Come on, I said. I'll dance with you one at a time, all right? How about it? Come on. I really felt like dancing. It's like, no, you want... 
you now want to be part of these women, right. and they're not letting you. Right. Finally, the blonde one got up to dance with me because you could tell I was really talking to her, and we walked out to the dance floor. The other two gruels nearly had hysterics when we did. He's so cruel. So mean. <laughs> I certainly must have been very hard up to even bother with any of them. But it was worth it. The blonde was some dancer. She was one of the best dancers I ever danced with. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's a metaphor, but I think it's just like a nice turn of events. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it's a nice twist, right? Uh, he's even mean about this, though. He goes, I'm not kidding. Some of these very stupid girls can really knock you out on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, so she's, still, she's still dumb, huh? Yeah. You take a really smart girl, and half the time she's trying to lead you around the dance floor, or else she's such a lousy dancer, the best thing to do is stay at the table and just get drunk with her. And then his whole interaction with her is very funny because it's still like that mix of cruel and awkward that this whole chapter is. You really can dance, I told the blonde one. You ought to be a pro. I mean it. I danced with a pro once, and you're twice as good as she was. Did you ever hear of Marco and Miranda? What? She said she wasn't even listening to me. In direct conflict to how Phoebe listens to everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was looking all around the place. I said, did you ever hear of Marco and Miranda? I don't know. No, I don't know. Well, they're dancers. She's a dancer. She's not too hot, though. She does everything she's supposed to, but she's not so hot anyway. You know when a really a, a girl's a really terrific dancer? And here comes an aphorism from Holden. What did you say? She said. She wasn't listening to me, even. Her mind was wandering all over the place. I said, do you know when a girl's a really terrific dancer? Uh-uh. Well, when I have my hand on your back, if I think there isn't anything underneath my hand, no can, no legs, no feet, no anything, then the girl's really a terrific dancer. She wasn't listening, though. That's very important to him that she wasn't listening. Yeah, she's not. Unlike Phoebe, she was not listening. We just danced, but God, that she could dance. Uh, his the band was doing well. Um, is this where the butt? <laughs> I love when she says her little butt. Was <laughs> God, could that, that dopey girl dance? Uh, the band played a song that wasn't too bad. So he's having a nice moment, right? Yeah, now. right. Uh, I didn't try any trick stuff while we dance. I had a guy that does a lot of show off. He trick stuff on the dance floor. But it was moving around plenty. Uh, let's see here. The funny thing is, I thought she was enjoying it too. Till all of a sudden, she came out with with this very dumb remark. I and my girlfriend saw Peter Laurie last night. She said the movie actor in person. He was buying a newspaper. He's cute. Now this is the worst thing that you could say to Holden Caulfield, right? He hates phoniness. That's an actor. He hates the movies. He hates people who are like fawning over dumb things. He already hates. He already doesn't like these people. And right in the middle of a genuine moment of happiness, he likes the way she. He dances. likes it the way she's dancing. The band's playing a good song. She's cute. She's great dance. She yeah. goes and ruins it. He's cute. And then this is again in a very. He goes, "You're lucky." I told her, "You're really lucky." You know that she was really a moron, but what a dancer. I could hardly stop myself from sort of giving her a kiss on the top of her dopey head, you know, right where the part is and all. She was sore when I did it. So uh, it doesn't really bother him, doesn't seem like. doesn't really, I mean, like quite. He just goes, oh, she's dumb. She's a moron. Yeah. But she's such a good dancer, I want to kiss her. Yeah. What's the idea? But that's says. like the hunger that he talks about hunger. earlier. <laughs> hey, what's the idea? Nothing. No idea. You really can dance, I said. And then he brings up Phoebe. I have a kid sister that's only in the goddamn fourth grade. You're about as good as she is, and she can dance better than anybody living or dead. Watch your language if you don't mind. What a lady, boy. A queen, for Christ's sake. I love, like, the he's a terrific, the sarcastic uh, narration. So he asked them where they're from. They're from Seattle. Um, 
she yeah she says he had all he goes you're a very good conversationalist i told her you know that what so he's just he's making fun of her yeah, right he's just now straight up making yeah. fun of her to her face i'll let it drop us over her head anyway do you feel like jitterbugging a little bit he wants a jitterbug with her <laughs> just nice and easy everyone will all sit down when they play a fast one except for the old guys and the fat guys and we'll play have plenty of room okay it and she says it's immaterial to me which is a big word for this quote-unquote moron it's immaterial for me yeah um and she goes, he goes, he almost blows it. He goes, oh, Christ, don't spoil it, I said. I'm 12, for Christ's sake. I'm big for my age. And then she goes, listen, I told you about that. I don't like that type of language. If you're going to use that type of language, I can go sit down with any with my girlfriends, you know? And then he apologizes. I apologize. He didn't go, you know what? You're a pain in the ass. Because she started jitterbugging, and here it is. This is one of my favorite passages in the whole book. But just very, very nice and easy, not corny. She was really good. All you had to do was touch her. When she turned around, her pretty little butt twitched so nice and all. There it is. She knocked me out. I mean it. I was about half in love with her by the time we sat down. That's the thing about girls. Every time they do something pretty, even if they're not much to look at, or even if they're sort of stupid, you fall half in love with them. And then you never know where the hell you are. Girls. Jesus Christ. They can drive you crazy. They really can. So, yeah, he's in, lo- like, he's in love with her. It's, like it's, 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 it's easy, he's saying. It's easy yes. to fall in love. Yeah. He, he is a sentimental guy. Like. Yeah. Here's here's one good moment and he's all in with yeah. this girl. So he goes from like wanting sex to here he is and he he's kind of getting some intimacy. Um, they had a conversation. He, yeah, she's from Seattle and now she's dancing in a way that she's like, this is the best dancer I've ever seen and now I'm in love with her. Yeah, I mean she does twitch her little butt, which <laughs> I'm very sexual, of course. Yeah. Um, then he dances with all of them. And my, th- th- let's see here. He begins to, the, he, he just has disdain for them because they're looking around for movie stars, right? Yeah. They kept looking around. They probably thought that movie stars always hung out in the lavender room when they came to New York instead of the Stork Club or El Morocco and all. Um, so I told her I just saw Gary Cooper, the movie star, on the other side of the floor. <laughs> and then where, she asked me, excited as hell, where? Oh, you just missed him. He just went out. Why didn't you look when I told you? <laughs> Which is like... Sarcastic. Very uh, mean. Yeah. Uh, she practically stopped dancing and started looking out over everyone's head to see if she could see him. Oh, shoot, she said. I just about broken her heart. I really had. <laughs> I was re- I was sorry as hell I'd kidded her. Some people you shouldn't kid, even if they deserve it. <laughs> Which is like almost a good thing to say. <laughs> right, right. They th- Yeah, they deserve it. Uh, so this is also a very human moment. That is very funny. Here's what was very funny, though. When we got back to the table, old Marty told the other two that Gary Cooper had just gone out. Boy, old Laverne and Bernice nearly committed suicide <laughs> when they heard that. They got all excited and asked Marty if she'd seen him and all. Old Mart said she only caught a glimpse of him. That, that killed, killed me. <laughs> yeah, so he totally dupes. He Like, or, like she he almost believes. And he watches her lie to her friends. Oh, he, he lies to her and she watches... Or he watches her lie to her friends. <laughs> right. So she almost believes the the lie that he's constructed because of how kind of good it is. Mean, like, like, she's how like, how much she wanted it to be the case, and true. how much social capital it'll give her with her friends. Yeah. Good God. He closes down the bar. He bought them all two drinks apiece. Yeah. Ordered two more cokes for himself, and now he's just getting like talking to these girls, and it's going weird. He keeps getting kidding about his co- drinking cokes. And they're joking about, oh, bring your dad out. I'd like to meet your dad. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is pretty funny. Uh, uh, old Marty, it's old Marty again. She kept saying these very corny, boring things like calling the can the little girl's room. Right. 
She thought Buddy Singer's poor old beat-up clarinet player was really terrific when he stood up and took a couple of ice-cold hot licks. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a very funny ice way to put it. Ice-cold hot licks. He, yeah, he has a music taste, I guess. Yeah. She called his clarinet a licorice stick. Was she, she corn? <laughs> the other ugly one. So he's being just so Now mean. we're being like pretty honest, I guess, Holden. There's no more like, uh, yeah. Jeez. Thought she was a very witty type. She's the one that's always asking about go get the father. And then uh, and the final one just was never listening. The one he loved was the one he's like, please just listen so I yeah. can be in love with you. Yeah, the listening is very important to hold. He wants to be listened to, like all adolescents. Listen to your kids. And then he says they're going they're going to bed early to go to Radio City Music Hall. He tried to get them to stick around. He paid the whole bill. He paid the whole bill. Thirteen dollars in for a, a teenager in nineteen forty. Yeah, it's like eighty bucks. Yeah, right? nineteen. Yeah, that's that would be obscene right yeah. now. They didn't um, even offer. They didn't even offer. Right? He's not dating all three of them. Jeez. And that business get. Uh, and this is where he gets like obscenely depressed about a small detail. And that business about getting up early to see that first show at Radio City Music Hall depressed me. Some girl is in an awful looking hat. For instance, comes all the way to New York from Seattle, Washington for God's sake, and ends up getting up early in the morning to see the goddamn first show at Radio City Music Hall. It makes me so depressed I can't stand it. I'd have bought the whole three of them a hundred drinks if only they hadn't told me that. Yeah. What? what yeah, what is it about Radio City? Like, is it, it's like so touristy that yeah, he's upset about I, it? Yeah, I think it's the symbol of phoniness for him. It's the Rock so Cats doing phony. their little kicks, and it's, oh, Christmas, Christmas, and it's what, it's what, because he understands New York as an, a home. Yes, and yeah, he's a everyone local. else sees them as a, a Disney World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, he's watching people treat his home like Disney World, and he's like, "No, there's authentically good things here, and you're missing the point. You came all the way from Seattle to do the worst thing about New York." Exactly right, and he thinks, and it's all artifice, it's all phoniness, it's 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 like a live movie, The Rockettes. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's just performance. Yeah, I left the lavender room pretty soon after they did. They were closing up anyway, and the band had quit a long time ago. In the first place, they're one of those places that are very terrible to be in unless you have somebody good to dance with, or unless the waiter lets you buy real drinks instead of just cokes. There Again, a, there's the uh, the general in the specific or the specific yeah. making it general. That's a good, not a good place, if the, especially if the waiter's gonna make you buy cokes. It's like, uh, what? what? It what doesn't always t- happen. That, that yeah. doesn't. What are you talking about? There isn't any nightclub in the world you can sit in for a long time unless you can get at least buy some liquor and get drunk, or unless you're with some girl that really knocks you out. That's kind of a, a beautiful sentiment to close it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's looking for love. I mean, like he kind of, I mean, he kind of almost had it. I mean, he's like, he's like, it's kind of you can. I have he had a true moment her. of intimacy with this, yes. with this girl that wasn't even listening to him, but it didn't matter. He's like, just that we were dancing was enough for me to fall in love with it. That's how lonely he is. Yeah. Beyond the horniness, it is the loneliness of like, look, I have this girl's attention for even partial attention for the next twenty minutes or so. And that was enough to be like him to be head over heels about this guy. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I think that's. Oh no, it does definitely gets hornier. But it's the sex is a big part it's of pretty it. horny, pretty lonely. That was like that was like I'm lonely, I'm horny, I need somebody, and he almost kind of gets something. And he all taste. yeah he has, he reaches out to strange women. That's the only people he's comfortable hunger initiating any sort of because there's all these people he knows and there's all these reasons he can't talk to them and there's all these women he doesn't know and he's like you know what i'm just horny and i'll talk to people that there's no risk to talking to and that'll fix it yeah and it almost does for a second and then it goes away it's just like yeah these obviously you can't expect these women to fix you (laughs) there are three women from seattle they're 30 years old yeah dude (laughs) they're not interested in in you 
you're a 16 year old trying to buy scotch at this bar and the waiter's like sorry sir <laughs> he's literally looking for love in all the wrong places yeah like it's uh yeah so we're, we we see we see holden realizing what he wants trying to get it not getting it he wants yeah. connection chicken it out of a, at the authentic plan and just trying to piece together some ramshackle version of love that he could find and he doesn't understand what he wants or how to get it yeah, yeah, that's where he's at in New York right now, and he's gonna keep looking. That's what we're gonna see. Yeah, I mean that we're we're in a new land, a scary land. Yeah, and it's already going bad. Everything is either depresses him, and then there's moments of brief relaxation, and then more depression. So close, he's always so close, but he's not getting it. Yeah, we'll we're gonna yeah we'll see. I'm curious to see uh, Holden in this close of a detail. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I uh, there's there's little things where I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that is what that is. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm excited. Uh, it only gets weirder. <laughs> it's gonna get weirder. I can't wait. Yeah, and it starts out so weird. This is weird. So it, that this is like a high school book is very. When you look at it this closely, it's like this is like a really heavy stuff. <laughs> uncomfortably uncomfortable stuff we're looking at here with our students. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, All right. Well, uh, next chat. Uh, next is eleven and twelve, right? Yeah, we that was nine and ten. We'll see you for eleven and twelve. Thank you for listening. I'm Terrence Hartnett. You can check me out at Ha Hartnett and uh, that's my email. Ha Hartnett on Instagram, <laughs> and I'm Kevin Lapkovich on Twitter uh, and Instagram too. I think I might be Kevin Lapko. Kevin Lapko. Oh, okay, yeah. thank you. Not a big Instagrammer. I'm, no. I'm more of an Instagram guy. Kevin's more of a Twitter guy. Yes. You 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 figure out why. <laughs> um, for whatever reason. For whatever reason. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Comment.